Today's show is brought to you by Rich Nutrients, New Zealand's premier provider of nutrient-dense whole food products. One of my current favourites is their organic beef and turmeric bone broth powder. And the reason for that is it's so convenient, you don't have to go through the whole process of actually making bone broth. And it's super tasty. If you visit their page, richnutrients.co.nz, click onto the shopping page and you'll find a Best Me tab. Under this tab you'll find all of the products that I use and recommend. Now as a Best Me listener, you have the opportunity to receive 10% off all orders over $30, which is a pretty decent discount. All you have to do is enter the Best Me discount code at the checkout, which in one word is Best Me, all in capitals. I hope you enjoy their products as much as I do. You can also find me at HealthFit Collective, which is exactly how it sounds, a collective of health and fitness practitioners, including physiotherapy, psychology, nutrition, we have movement coaches, personal trainers, massage, and much more. Our goal is to guide your dreams to reality, and we do this both within the club and online, offering tailored health plans, small group training, specialist services, corporate wellness, and education. So please go along and visit the page healthfitcollective.co.nz to find out more. You can also book a free 30-minute consultation with no strings attached. Welcome to Best Me Radio. I'm your host, Carl Hammington, and I talk to experts in many areas, including movement, psychology, nutrition, as well as other inspiring people who have done extraordinary things, all in an attempt to provide you with the information inspiration and tools that will empower you to step into the best version of yourself. Welcome to another episode of Best Me Radio and today we're diving into embodied emotion, an area and topic we haven't really explored yet on this podcast, which is pretty exciting. But before we get into the episode, I just wanted to share what's going on outside of the podcast. Firstly at HealthFit we have our eight week spring into summer challenge. Uh, which has started with a hiss and a roar and people setting some pretty outstanding goals in every area of life and some that really caught us off guard. Um, so, And I can also see some really great community support developing, which in my opinion is the most important factor in regards to sustainable change and making it stick. As most of us know how we should be moving, how often, what we should be eating uh, and when, but it's just about making it stick that really counts. Now, my, uh, we just did a video with the practitioners on what we want to get out of the challenge personally. Um, so keep your, uh, your eyes and ears posted for that. It's a bit of a laugh. And mine is all about increasing my vitality. Um, so I want to bring myself from a 6 out of 10 back up to a 9 out of 10. Um, and this is done through, for me, just creating daily movement time um, and also creating me time, which, funny enough, I've let slip recently. Now, secondly, I'm applying some of these awesome lifestyle recommendations that were specifically prescribed to me as a result of completing a genetic testing and prescription course last weekend, which uh, in my opinion was absolutely mind-blowing, and it feels like it's the the future of our industry. Um, So some of those actions as well were included increasing my intake of green leafy vegetables, um, in in particular chives and broccoli, and it's all uh, validated, Um, avoiding nightshades, coffee, and dark chocolate. Um, for now anyway these actions will change seasonally and as my health changes Um, also getting outside and near ocean for at least 10 minutes per day and getting to sleep by 10 p.m which I'm reasonably good at doing Um, I'll share more on this soon as I feel like this is a big game changer and I can't wait to share this with everyone else out there as well and the members of HealthFit now today's episode is with Anna Thompson and I feel like this really fills in some blanks in regards to addressing emotional wellness 
I started thinking about this episode a while ago and I wanted to dive into emotion and pain as I see a connection here um, with the work that I do every day. But I think we get a little bit deeper on this, get into some really juicy topics covering what emotion is, how it may manifest, how it is different than feelings, how it can create emotion and how you can create emotional hygiene regime um, and what that actually is and what we should and shouldn't do in regards to attaining emotional wellness. Please enjoy this episode and email me if you have any questions. Anna Thompson is a biodynamic craniosacral therapist and coach based in Wellington, New Zealand. Anna is a qualified lawyer with multiple qualifications across political science, American studies and management, craniosacral therapy and coaching. Some of her qualifications include emotional weight management coaching techniques. She's registered as an associate coach with Australia New Zealand Life Coaching, and she is a certified multiple brain integration technique coach. Um, Anna is also currently studying nutrition with Precision Nutrition so that she can provide general nutritional advice and coaching. Anna began making lifestyle changes around eight years ago, which has culminated in a new career, finding wellness, energy, and authenticity along the way. Anna goes by the model... The motto, though she may be but little, she is fierce and puts us to use in every facet of her life. I can vouch for that. Anna is an avid powerlifter, a sometime 10 kilometer runner and a cat lover of both big and small cats. Welcome to the show, Anna, and thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited about this one. I feel like so far we haven't dived too much into emotion and especially that relationship between physical uh, manifestation or physical pain or even physical presence and that connection with emotion. And, you know, throughout the the wellness industry, uh, you know, we, we, there's definitely more of a shift towards a, uh, a holistic model, but still I feel like there's a little bit of separation between the mind and the body. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pretty excited about this. Um, Yeah. (laughs) First of all, I know you've had quite the journey to get to where you are now. Um, How do you feel about sharing that journey with the listeners? Yeah, it's totally fine. So (laughs) should I just go? Go for it. Awesome. So, yeah, so I um, come from – well, I was born in Wellington in Lower Hutt, but we don't talk about that much. Um, (laughs) For those people who know Lower Hutt, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I know, um, we share that in common, and uh, I spent the first few years of my life uh, up here in the North Island, uh, and then moved around quite a lot in the South Island. Um, my parents were somewhat nomadic, they sort of liked sort of moving around, um, and that made me um, get really used to starting again, basically, so I did that about six times in my life, and I ended mm-hmm. up in um, boarding school in Christchurch, uh, where I was for five years, and then I stayed in Christchurch for my university studies, where I did law. Yep. Um, I was having this conversation with someone yesterday, and they were like, so why did you do law? Because you're, you don't practice law anymore. And I said, well, good girls do what their parents want them to do, <laughs> which was basically how I lived my life from when I was born all the way through mm. to around about the age of 26. Yep. Um, and I did everything that I was supposed to do. Um, you should do this, you should do that. And I, so I did. And I got halfway through law school and I turned to my mother one day. I was so upset. I was like, I can't do this anymore. I hate this. It's horrible. I hate going there. It's just terrible. And I want to do something else. Yep. And she convinced me to stay because I was already halfway through. It was kind of like, well, you've 
kind of got halfway, so why stop now? Yep. Um, and I did stay, and I got my law degree, and I got my political science degree, and I got my American studies degree, and took this and got this great job at a big accounting firm in Wellington, so back to the North Island I came, <laughs> and basically launched this career in this really fast-paced environment, super stressful, long hours. My family became the people that I worked with until mm. one day I literally thought to myself, this cannot, I don't even know what sparked this. Um, there was a, you know, a nasty manager actually who I didn't like and maybe I was kind of beginning to feel like it just wasn't for me. I felt really uncomfortable at work and maybe that's what sparked it. But one day I was like, I'm a square peg in a really round hole here and this Mm. really isn't for me. And my whole life was focused on the people that I worked with, my work and everything was surrounded by that. And I thought, this is not healthy. So I thought, what is it that I really want to do differently? Um, And I thought I'd better go and find some outside interests from work. So I actually ended up volunteering for Wellington Women's Refuge um, where I met a whole bunch of really wonderful women. Yep. Um, and your partner was yep, one, of one, of those wo- one of those yep. women. <laughs> yeah. um, and we've been friends ever since, basically, the first day we started our training at Wellington Women's Refuge. Uh, this is long before you. Um, yep. <laughs> and that's where my sort of dreams expanded. I thought, well, no, I think I need to leave this job. So I did. Yep. And I went overseas for a little bit, uh, sort of, came home and then I thought, what am I going to do now? So I thought, oh, I'll do a different kind of law job. I thought maybe it'll be different if I do a different law job. Yep. So I did. <laughs> yep. And it was different for a little bit and I really enjoyed it. I used to do criminal law policy for yep. the government here in New Zealand um, and I loved it, law changing and all of that. I really felt like I was making a difference. Yep. And then it all just wasn't anymore. It really wasn't the same job. And I ended up in training and development, helping people find solutions to their problems and then I realized that this didn't really go far enough Mm. amongst that time it was a really stressful time at work again like you're in a big 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 government environment in this case um there's so many people in these in these um agencies there's thousands Um, my agency was one of the biggest it's like two and a half thousand people um or three thousand people that work there and everyone was kind of working long hours again you know, people have that there's this reputation that government people don't work very hard. Well, I can totally vouch that I've never worked harder in my life yeah. with the government. <laughs> and I became really sick. I used to dread coming to work because I, I it was really anxiety-inducing. Everyone was really stressed. They were yeah. trying to do all these things. I was noticing that other people were really st- like really stressed, angry, you know, snappy, like mm. really awful. And you can really pick up, this is another thing about emotion, which we'll dive into, but you can really feel like in your system, even if you don't realize it, that something else is wrong with yep. other people. Yep. And it really took its toll on me. And I ended up actually in bed for four days, which is really unlike me. If anyone you know who's listening to this knows me, I'm quite, you know, bright, sparky, energetic running around at 100 miles an hour <laughs> and it, it literally just stopped yeah i stopped and i ended up on some medication which yep. was fine um i was on it for about two years and during that time i also had this frozen shoulder that wouldn't go away and it was agony 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 for me yeah and nothing worked i tried everything until i remembered <laughs> that my dad had seen a cranial sacral therapist about 14 years ago for yep. a sore back and yep. i thought to myself oh, i'll try that because i haven't tried that one yeah. <laughs> um and so i did and over a period of about six months 
Um, I was on that medication still um, over six months. I worked with a cranial sacral therapist here in Wellington. Yep. And I started noticing some really big changes until I came off my medication. Uh, I retrained as a cranial sacral therapist because this stuff really works and it worked so well for me. Yep. And here I am. So a massive journey. Um, And one of the big things I'd say about that whole journey is – there's so many different things in there. Yeah. And my big thing is just try it. And you'll yep. be testament to this. Like when we when we train together, mm. you're like, Anna, just try it. And sometimes I'm a little bit hesitant, but I generally will jump in and I'll just do it. Yep. Yep. And I think that you have to do that in life. Otherwise, you might miss out on something. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because what if, what if this is the thing? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so now, um, since being a cranial sacral therapist, um, you know, I've started getting more into the coaching side of things because I really love um, helping people find what really makes them tick. And that's how I got into that training and development role was yeah. actually going to see a coach. Yeah. yeah. Um, just, you know, having someone else help you through some of these decisions that yeah, is yeah, – guide that able, process, Provide isn't some it? tools around. Yeah, yeah. tools, yeah. Mm. Um, and I've also uh, done some post-grad study, which is what we're going to talk about today, around emotion, which has just mm. honestly made just the world of difference to my understanding around like what's actually going on for me. Yeah. Uh, and learning a whole lot of techniques around grounding myself and being able to offer those other people to yep. really help them change the way they're interacting with themselves, but also the environment and other people, because that's the biggest change that I've noticed in me. Yep. So yeah, I still go a hundred miles an hour, but I'm also able to really slow down and listen to what's going on so that I can make changes if I need to. And then I'm not going to get into that anxiety, depression, yep. crazy state that I was in. So yeah. This is good. Um, there's so many things I want to dive into straight away, but awesome. I'm just going to pull it back a little bit. And first of yeah. all, actually, thanks for being vulnerable. Really appreciate that and sharing your story. I'm sure uh, a lot of people can connect with multiple facets of that. Um, but I just want to start with um, defining you know, what emotion is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is really, really interesting. So when I'd never really thought about it, like I'd never really thought like emotions, just that thing you're like, I say to you, hey, Carl, I'm sad. Mm. I feel sad today. Or that person made me angry or, you know, whatever. Um, and that in itself saying that someone else made you angry is not a good idea. But yeah. anyway, we can go into that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's actually a number of theories that I recently learned about in terms of emotion, which I found quite fascinating. Yeah. And so the easiest way to kind of say what is emotion is to talk a little bit about the theories. And then, then I'll tell you what I think my theory is. Yep, <laughs> which yep. Which is, yeah, probably which a, one a couple of these. Yeah. yeah. So apparently back in the day, so this is like before, and this is the early 1800s we're talking about. Yep. Um, there was a basically the scientific community really believed that when you have a reaction to stimulus, so from anything that happens outside you, yeah. um, it's your brain, right? Your yeah. brain recognizes that, and then your body changes. You're talking about your head brain, of course. <laughs> my head brain, yeah, yep. the one in my head, yeah. So yep. my yeah head brain, and that theory took a battering really, and. 1884 because there was a publication by a guy by the name of William James and he wrote a book called what is emotion yeah and he talked about mind-body dualism which is a separation of mind body rationality and Mm. emotion I still feel like that's around a little bit now yeah absolutely yeah and it is one of the theories so you know it's one one of these things yeah and then what happened is that 
Have you heard of a guy called, you know, Antonio Damasio? I've heard, yes, but I don't yeah. know. So he's a neurologist. Okay. Yeah. So and he argues that that cognitive part actually stems from emotion and that the emotion itself stems from bodily senses. Mm. So he kind of reinvigorated that work of William James yep. and sort of took it to the next level, I guess. Yep. And basically what he's saying there is that emotions are actually embodied phenomena and they underpin reason. Yep. And what I like about that theory is what he's saying is, is that people don't make decisions based on just their cognition, just yep. their brain. Yep. They actually have to feel something in order to make that decision. So, And one of the examples that was given in the study mm. that I did was Dr. Spock. Yep. So he just makes decisions purely mm. based on reason, and humans yep. aren't like that. Yes. And I was like, yeah, I totally get that. I understand this. I'm like, okay, cool. That's, so that's, you know, theory, theory mind-body dualism. Yep. And then... There's more theory. I mean, there's so many sort of things around, I guess, yeah, that yeah. it's you know it can be quite confusing. But these are these are sort of the three kind of main, I guess, main kind of ones. I was going to say this sounds really interesting. It ties in so nicely with the multiple brain uh, integration oh, training. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'll be interested in hearing your thoughts on that soon. But you carry on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we've talked a little bit about that mind-body dualism. Um, we talked about William James and then his work being, you know, reinvigorated by An- Antonio Damasio. Yep. And so the Antonio Damasio concept's called the somatic marker hypothesis, basically. Yep. So we don't need to go into, like, all of the things. But that's basically the idea of it. Yep. And then the third theory is around constructed emotions. And this is mm. brand new. So this is actually this year that this stuff came out. Oh, wow. Um, this woman, um, just get her name right, her name is Lisa Feldman Barrett. Yep. Um, and she had a paper this year in 2017, her theory of emotions called constructed emotion. Yep. And this is really, really interesting. And it's probably the one that I'm kind of... It resonates the best with you. Resonates the best with me, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, just because I kind of, you know, I can kind of apply this to my, what I do. Yep. So she argues that emotions aren't a fixed com- component of our biological nature. Yep. So rather emotions actually constructed on our mind based on predictions. Mm. So emotions are not built in, but they're made from different parts. They're almost like ingredients. Yep. And they're not universal, but they vary from culture to culture. Yep. And she says, like, this is a direct quote, they are not triggered, you create them. They yep. emerge as a combination of physical properties of your body, a flexible brain that wires itself to whatever environment it develops in, your mm. culture and upbringing which provide that environment. So basically she's saying your brain makes emotion as it needs it on the spot using a set of all-purpose ingredients. That, that makes sense. And so as she says, like another direct quote, so an emotion is your brain making meaning of sensations from the world. It is not your reaction to the world. It is your construction of what your body is like in the world <laughs> as it appears to you in the moment. And yeah. I'm like, that's awesome. That's I'm so like, good. Yes, it is. I mean, that's yeah. ba- so that's based on your map of the world, your experiences. Yes. And Absolutely. Yep, that makes and I sort of think, actually, it is, except obviously you're still, you can go back to that other theory, which is about the body recognizing something and then you cognitively thinking about it. Yeah. And so I think both of them actually play a part. Yes, but I really, definitely. I really don't think it's just the brain. No, <laughs> it's just not. So, well, no. yeah. I mean, if you look at mm. some of the the best, uh, you know, the, the the most profound decision makers and leaders mm. throughout the world, uh, whether it be 
when I should say, well, I say most effective or most well mm. recognized. And a lot of the decision making does not come down to cognition. That might be an element. Um, but there's often a, a gut feel element to it. Mm, absolutely. Uh, which I think is, is obviously underrated. And then if you look at the multiple brain integration technique as well, you have the, um, the heart or the compassion as well side. Yeah. Which obviously yeah, exactly. yeah, plays a role too. So that's, that's fascinating. Yeah. It's super, 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 you know. Yeah. And that, that, that explains why, I mean, I've seen this so many times in my practice actually, um, when you integrate that, that, um, the psychology side into physical work. I mean, I'm a, I'm a corrective exercise specialist as well. Mm. Quite often I can do all of the rehab work in the world with a client, but as soon as one of those emotional, um, you, de- you, know, you get to the bottom layers of the iceberg and you deal with some of the, the deep-set emotional uh, issues or baggage or manifestation, whatever you want to call it, quite often those pains will just clear up. It's just like... It's, it's incredible. It's like a miracle. <laughs> I, I know, guess, yeah. <laughs> I, I guess that's why your work is so effective. Yeah, exactly. One of the reasons. Yeah. And I guess the other thing to note here is like all these people that have done this work on emotion, and there's more than just the three people that I've sort of mentioned, mm. they all define emotion quite differently. Yeah. So, you know, Lisa Feldman Barrett, she doesn't really use the word feelings. Yeah. Like she sort of talks about emotions are wide ranging perceptions yeah. and they're on par with like cognition, thinking, feeling, yeah. any perceptual process. Yeah. Whereas the others, Damasio defines emotion as an action plan associated with a change in the body. And I actually agree with both of those. Mm. So it's quite, you know, in my personal, again, my personal experience. So it's quite yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Have you found dealing with emotion that, mm. uh, people's definition of a certain emotion can, can be quite different. Yeah, absolutely. And the feelings that they associate with that yeah. can be quite different as well. They, yeah. they often, they did a study um, where they looked at two different cultures, mm. uh, which was really, really interesting. So I learned about this on this recent course that I went on. And whilst they, they described feelings of heat and cold, when, yeah. it, when they said, are you sad? Are you angry? Like, whatever, where are you feeling that in your body? Yeah. And the maps are actually really similar in terms of where they were feeling those. Mm. But what I find fascinating about that is I don't think the study, and I haven't read too much about it, and I'm making a big assumption here, but I don't think the study looked into actually what feelings they were feeling. Yeah. As in, so it's as more in of a a description of where it was in the body and what if it was hot or cold, but it didn't mm. sort of say like for me, my nervousness might present itself quite differently to what yours did does. Yeah, yeah. So you could be having I don't know hot hands or something, whereas yeah. I've got I feel sick in my stomach. So yeah. it's quite different depending on what's going on for people. Yeah. So yeah. you can't be like this is how you experience nervousness because yeah. it might not be like that. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, it, it could uh, depend on how. Uh, mindful you are and how wired you are and what um, senses are uh, you know more dominant for you I guess because some people might see it uh, in terms of a you know uh, an actual physical uh, feeling it might be a location like a butterflies in the stomach other people might see it as a you know a temperature thing am I right yeah and other people can uh, can even see colors um, associated with it when their eyes are closed um, is another exactly. one I've come across. Yeah, which and I find fascinating. I, I think it's awesome as well. It's mm. like, well, and this is what it means: that we're all unique. Mm. Yes, we have primarily the same kind of, I guess, physiological parts. Yeah, but how they work together and what happens is quite unique for each person. Definitely. <laughs> so yeah, and also again, like you know what what Lisa Feldman Barrett said: 
how you were brought up, like where you were born, all of these things contribute to how you perceive the world and interact with it. Totally, yeah. So, now, I just want to get a couple of um, examples off you. So, yeah. Um, we talk about, you know, the, the embodiment of emotion. Um, mm-hmm. So, or the, I always say the physical manifestation of emotion. Of a um, feeling, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, if I've got someone who has chronic pain uh, yeah. in, say, the sacroiliac joint or around the lower back, mm-hmm. is that associated with a particular emotion or trauma or can that be different for everyone? Different for everyone. Okay. So... My kind of experience on this, like working with people, again, they've all had like completely different experiences. Yeah. And, you know, what could be really traumatic for one person is really nothing. It's like a grain of salt to Mm. someone else. It Mm. doesn't affect them in the way that it affects someone else. And and that's because, again, all of Mm. our experiences from the moment that you – I think this is one of your questions that you were going to ask me. (laughs) Um, The moment that – what we call in cranial sacral, the first ignition happens, which is basically when sperm meets egg. Yeah. And sperm is accepted in by egg, and that's what happens. It's a spark of life. Yeah. That's like the beginning of someone's existence. Yeah. And as soon as that happens, whatever's happening in mum, whatever's happening in dad, or what's ever happening in sperm or egg, that, that environment starts a whole lifetime of experiences basically i was Mm. thinking about this last night there's some argument uh out there that say you were conceived in violence yep which some people are which is really unfortunate but that's kind of the way that that person was conceived and so invariably you well not invariably but sometimes you can have experiences later in life and you're like well why is this happening and it's like Mm. well it could be something that's held yep from that moment yeah. And we don't really know, I don't know scientifically like too much about it, but I do know that this is, you know, a theory that people have yeah. and I've seen it be exposed in clinic where yeah. people are like, oh, that's why I didn't even connect that. And it's like, it's not up for me to make those connections, but it happens with people and they're like, okay, I can see now yeah. that maybe that's what it is. And, and they start putting together the pieces of their life and they can see why they do certain behaviours, like why yeah. they react in certain ways. And a lot of, like, some people liken cranial sacral therapy to counselling for the body. Yeah. The body tells a massive story. Mm. It's got so many stories, and that's what <laughs> I mean. Like, that, that pain in the sacroiliac joint, Yeah. that's a story. There's yeah. something there that's meaning that this person can't, move forward from that and and it could be a a, a physical thing like they've literally injured their sacroiliac joint and it needs some time to heal it could be something that is from when they were born and they had a a, a, you know a a a difficult birth yeah and they could have been twisted in the wrong way or something like that and everything seems to be fine and the body's been compensating really well until suddenly it can't compensate like that anymore and it's saying hey and if it was me i'd be like hey anna Yep. remember me like you don't remember but I'm telling you that I'm really sore and I was mm. sore 25 years ago or whatever it was when yep. you were born yep. and you didn't fix that and now I'm just telling you that I have not fixed myself and you need to do something about it yeah and it's almost like this I see I see the body as a really big alarm system yeah 
yeah, these things are, are signs uh, that we should, you know, that's, that's our body communicating with us that we've got something that we we should be yeah. dealing with, Doing whether it's physical, it. mental. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You know, they shouldn't be ignored exactly. on any level. And um, when I talked about, as I was going to say, like when I talked about before about my shoulder. Yeah. Right? So if you think of the shoulders, like a lot of people talk about the shoulders as, you know, oh, I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders. Like we've yeah. got this really um, interesting, <laughs> language, interesting language yeah. Yeah, around this. Yeah. And when I think back, you know, to what was really going on is I probably didn't have very good posture and there probably was like a very physical reason mm. for the fact that my shoulder in the first place started kind of playing up. I honestly thought I'd torn a muscle, but there was nothing. I had every scan known to man and nothing. Yeah. Yep. And really all it was was a little bit of inflammation that was causing mm. all this agony. Yeah. So you're and in an inflammatory I, state. Yeah. In an inflammatory state. And that's where stress it, can affect it. And that's what I say. You get into an inflammatory state not always because you've got an injury. No. But because there's all these things like going on in your world. Yeah. And I wasn't coping. Yeah. And well, so my it. shoulder was like, hey, Anna, you need to stop. Yeah. Well, you bump up that cortisol, you know, which will suppress a lot of your, your happy um, anabolic hormones. So you get into yeah. this inflammatory cycle, don't you? I just yeah, want to exactly. touch on and clarify a couple of points there. There was some real yeah. gold there. Thank you for that. Um, the first one is, um, you know, how far back do we take it? And is there any research? I know that there's some pretty solid research around fetuses in utero um, yeah. and the environment that the mother is in. Yes. It literally, um, the experience the mother has prioritizes the development of the fetus. So, for yeah. example, if the, the the mother is in a really stressed state, the the parts of the brain uh, in the child that are responsible for stress and you know, reaction are prioritized. So that becomes a really neurally wired area of the brain, and quite often it can actually become a little bit bigger as well. So I know I was going to say, really... I think I've read this that it's actually bigger. The yeah, part and of the it... brain is, is bigger. Yeah. Totally. And uh, the other thing is, uh, there's a documentary coming out soon called In Utero, which is cool. actually exploring yeah. this. So um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it yet, but I saw the uh, the trailer the other day in preparation. Oh, we can for watch this, so it together. I thought we might have to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I encourage your listeners to to perhaps look into that. I can't vouch for it yet, but it sounds really interesting. And the other point um, is uh, on posture or. Mm. Uh, the way you hold yourself in relation to emotion. And there is some research suggesting um, that your emotional state will dictate your posture. Um, and that, and, and the other way around as well, your posture can influence your emotional state. So there's, there's research either side showing that the way that you're holding your body will affect your, your, your whole system and your emotional state will affect the way you hold your body. So that's where I think it's just impossible to isolate one thing. And what you're doing is great because you're looking at it from both angles. In terms yeah, of absolutely. Yeah, and I totally point. agree yeah. with you know yeah. that, that second point around the posture. Absolutely. Yeah. This is like there's a whole research you know, on those power posing and mm. like all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And from personal experience, I can tell you that it works. Well, yeah, if you so, think about a common stress posture is, you know, to have the, the shoulders um, raised, the head forward, you know, looking yep. into the future um, yep. and quite often closed off through the – uh, the th- front part of the chest, you know, it is like a protective mechanism because you don't want to be using your, you know, exposing your emotion too much because I'm in, you know, you know, uh, fight and flight mode. Yeah. So, and obviously that's going to have effect on your tissues. You know, you're you're stressing these tissues that um, are supposed to, you know, only operate at certain times at certain intensities, but they're always on. So of course that's going to have an influence over, you know, your neck and your shoulders, and can have a, it can manifest itself in terms of migraines and and other things, but. And, and that's the thing is like the body's really 
good at giving you a signal that something's not quite right. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's – so someone comes in to see me and they're like, I've been having really bad headaches. Yeah. So we talk about their life. I look at those clues. Like I look at their posture. Like what's going on? Yeah. What are their eyes doing? Yeah. Like are they darting ah, around? Are they, are they dull? Like all of these sorts of things. And they point to the kind of state that someone's in. State, yeah. And I don't – as a state, yeah, the, the mm. physical state anyway, mm. at least in, in, in emotional state of what, of what someone – someone's what's going on for that person yeah and these are all the clues that we use to work out you know what their body's telling us yeah and they can be different for other, you know as i said they can be different for people but there's sort of some there are some universal kind of ones yeah. which we'll get into yeah. i'm sure soon so, yeah so yeah. actually that, that moves on quite nicely to the next uh question i have for you actually um mm. so I feel like uh, in today's world, in the Western world anyway, we're really good at our physical hygiene. You know, we'll get up in the morning, we'll have a shower, we'll brush our teeth. Um, you know, even some people have the luxury of, you know, if you're feeling a bit tight and sore, we'll go and get a massage, we'll have a stretch, we'll go to the gym and do some movement. But I feel like there's not much emphasis on emotional hygiene. So, you know, yeah. how are we looking after ourselves uh, emotionally? Um, do you have any tools or techniques um, or anything to comment on in regard to, you know, things we can do um, to just keep our emotional state healthy. Yeah, absolutely. So this is what I generally end up, people come in with a physical thing usually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people come in and they're just like, I'm just really sad right now. And I'm like, mm. okay, that's, that's, that's not good, but we'll, yeah. we know we can sort this out. So what I find really interesting is that people come in, like physical people, come, people with physical things will come in. And when you really dig down into it is usually there's, you know, some form of stress, stress going on. Yeah. And that's because of their life. You can hear in their voice, like, I don't know, they're a single mum. Um, they've got two kids. They're trying to, you know, do everything. And yeah. they get home at night and they're chucking the kids in the bath and they're trying to cook dinner at the same time and doing mm. all these things. And it's, yeah. it's a busy, busy life. Yeah. And so – no matter how difficult it is to put this into your schedule, and I, you know, I struggle with this as well. It's like I need to do these things, these tools that I teach people myself, because yeah. otherwise I can't help other people. Uh, and it is really difficult sometimes to schedule that time to do the things. Yeah. But one of the most basic, and it's basic in terms of the concept, not necessarily the practice of it, yeah. which is really interesting, is around grounding yourself. Yeah. And even if you do this three times a day for 10 seconds, <laughs> that's yeah. better than no times a day, never. Yeah. So one of the biggest things that I talk about is grounding grounding yourself. And okay. that's probably, I reckon, in terms of what I've seen from people anyway, is probably the biggest awesome thing you can do yeah. <laughs> to help yourself. Yeah. And I was going to just say, like, what grounding actually is. Yeah, so I was going to say, confused. how does that physically yeah. look? Yep. So, so basically, you are able to stay in your body. Yeah. So you can hold body awareness. Yeah. Like, so you're sitting there or you're standing there and you know what's going on in your body. You know that your toe is itchy. You know yeah. that your um, tummy's rumbling. You yeah. know that you're feeling a little bit tired across the back of your um, legs or hamstrings because yeah. you've been to the gym. You know, you know, you know what's going on. You know that you're feeling a little bit tight in your chest and you're kind of breathing yeah. a little bit yeah. fast. Yeah. And you're, but you're comfortable with that. Yeah. So you're you're holding that awareness, but you're comfortable with those emotions, so the things that are going on that you're feeling a little bit stressed out. So you're okay with that. Yep. But you're you're in the present moment. Yep. 
and you're responding and relating to outside stimulus. So you can still hear like the people talking behind you in the line if you're standing at the line at the post office. Yep. Which, funnily enough, for me is actually one one day one time that I get really stressed out because I don't yeah. like standing in lines. Yeah. And so I often do this when I'm standing there. I'll, yeah. I'll stand there and I'm thinking about thinking about what's going on. And I'm like, yeah, and you're, you know, you're feeling a little bit what I call, what I call stressed out. Yeah. And you and you know this because your shoulders are a little bit raised. And, yeah. You know all this sort of thing, and I can still hear the people around me. Yeah. And I concentrate on my breathing, and I really root my feet to the floor, and I'm like, gravity's holding you. You're yeah. all good. <laughs> And that's how I sort of ground myself in a situation like that. Grounding myself when I'm in a session with a client is different because yeah. I sit when I'm with a client. So I'll sit on a chair and kind of work around the body. Yeah. But I work with them about that. So even though they're lying on a massage table, mm. I'm I'm saying to them, hey, what's going on here? Like, what are you feeling in your body? And yeah. some people can't feel their bodies. Wow. And that's like alarm systems go on for me. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's really interesting because you can't be grounded if you can't feel your body. Yeah. And so that's what I, you know, that's, that's really one good. of the massive techniques that so I use with people. That's great. And for some people, I'm guessing that could be a mindfulness practice of some kind. It might be meditation. Am I right? It could be It could be anything. Yeah, yeah. whatever. And this is the other thing as well, is you've got to find what works for you. Yeah. So I think I've said this to you before. I was going to write a blog post, which I haven't got around to yet, about yeah. you're the expert in you. Yes. You know what works for you and what doesn't. But it, but in saying that, like if you're like, oh, no, it doesn't work for me, but you haven't actually tried something, yeah. I don't really think you can comment on that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and also I have people that are like, oh, well, cranial sacral doesn't work on me. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. So, like, you know, but you haven't had cranial sacral with me. Yeah. You know, oftentimes mm. it's to do with connection with, a, with your um, clients. It's yeah. often, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. And that's totally cool. <laughs> but I just sort of feel like you can't kind of diss something without trying it, I yeah. guess. Yeah, so, for sure. yeah. And, and I guess also you'll work out what's the best technique for you. Yeah. But I do think that grounding in a, in a general sense, I think everyone should probably learn how to do it. That's my, mm. kind of, my kind of thing. Because I do think that when you are having that mind-body connection, yeah. you're knowing that your body is responding to stimulus from outside. You know that yeah. the emotion you put on or the label you put on that emotion or the, the feelings yeah. is because of your upbringing and all that kind of stuff. It makes it a lot easier to kind of no, have that so recognition. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, that's I, my biggest thing is grounding. I think that's so powerful. Um, and it's quite uh, something I've had to learn as well, to be honest. Um, you know, having a reasonably busy life. Um, yeah. I love it, but it is busy. <laughs> but every now and then I just stop myself and go, okay, <laughs> where am I at? <laughs> where yeah, am I where at am I? Who am I? How am I holding What's myself? Going on How am I breathing? Yeah. What am I feeling um, yeah. physically, emotionally? And wow, it's quite scary. Sometimes you really realize. Um, you know, you pull yourself out of, I call it the mist, where you're just caught up on that hamster wheel and you're just going mm. and going and going. You've got the blinders on, you've got a job to do. And geez, when you stop yourself, you're like, holy shit. <laughs> like, Absolutely. How and long so have I been having, operating in this state? <laughs> but you're also in that when you, sometimes this is what happens. So what's really interesting is so you get people to ground themselves, right? Yeah. But they they ground themselves, but they're not comfortable with the emotions they're experiencing. Yeah. So it's not quite grounding in the sense of what I talked about it before, mm. because if you were really grounded, you'd be comfortable with whatever was going on. No, that's, that's And what happens is when people stop and they're suddenly, you know, recognizing what's going on in their body, they, they have this, it's an, it's almost overwhelmed and they can't cope with it. And that's when you get anxiety and all mm. these things happening and people getting panic attacks and like all that kind of stuff. So, and that's when you get into the, 
you know freezing like people are, are freezing they, they, yeah. they're frozen they can't yeah. they can't move you get dissociation which is when you lose connection like you just want to escape like your mind just wants to get away from what the physical sensations are yeah um and and flooding where you is too overwhelming so you yeah. basically um it's almost defensive yeah you're trying to get away from it and so i mean what, those are those are all yeah fight fright and fleet uh what's that freeze fight, yes that's flight, it freeze, yeah. <laughs> those are your three that, responses that, to stress say, isn't it? I, I mentioned before that's yeah. those innate things yeah that's that's that is something that we learned from our ancestors totally. way back what well, it had its purpose didn't it you know just, you were running away from tigers and things, so tigers possibly neighbouring tribes chasing you. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that might be yeah. once in a blue moon type thing yeah. versus today, you know, our tigers might be lining up or in traffic or yeah, lining up, work, traffic, social, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> finance, yeah. you know, there's so many different things. Exactly. And it's like, well, in terms of that grounding kind of yeah. thing, I, you know, I work with people, they're like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm really stressed out because of, yeah, I'm standing in a line and I get really panicky. Yeah. So we work through what we do. Uh, no, what we great. what what we do in that in that state. So yeah. what happens for them? Yeah. And we actually, what's really interesting is cranial sacral therapy. It can be like a really quick process, yeah. and people are like, you know, I have, have a client at the moment, and and we've found a tool that really works for that person. Yeah. And so that's what that person uses, and it, it, it's been a quick kind of process. Great. Whereas other times because it's really gentle and we yeah. don't necessarily have to put the person into the traumatic state that they're, you know, experiencing, yeah. it can be a long game. Yeah. And, and for me, like my experience with cranial sacral therapy in terms of my shoulder and what was going on for me, it was a really long game. Yeah. And even now, like I still, the, the thing is, is you've always got to work on these things. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So actually this leads really nicely into the next yeah. part again. So that's emotional hygiene cover. That was great. Mm, ground, 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 ground yourself. yourself. Yeah. So now we're going to talk. Uh, you know, once again, I think this is something we do really well physically, and that's first aid. So, you know, mm-hmm. you, you cut yourself, you put a bandage on it, you disinfect it, you keep it clean. Um, yes. You know, you break a bone, blah, blah, blah. You get an emotional trauma. You know, the old the old approach would have been, you know, toughen up, shake it off. But that's the equivalent to me of saying, okay, you've got a broken leg. Oh, yeah, just, uh, you know, just walk it off. <laughs> like, what's some emotional first aid techniques or, you know, how can we apply this emotional first aid to you know, an emotional trauma, you know, to yeah, a really traumatic exactly. experience. So this is really interesting as well. So when I did the my postgraduate cranial cycle course on emotion, yeah. uh, the man who took it is uh, one of the heads of the organisation with which I trained under for my undergrad, my diploma. Yeah. And his name is Steve Haynes. Yeah. And he is just exceptional as a teacher yeah and he also wrote a book he's wrote a couple of books um and the two of the two of them that i have at my clinic for people to read when they're in the waiting room one is called pain is really strange and the other Mm. one is called trauma is really strange and if you have pain or you've experienced trauma i totally recommend getting these books because it explains what's happening yeah for you and really, it's ca- they're cartoons. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like a comic book, um, yeah. and really easy to understand, and really gives you like you know that cognitive like oh okay yeah I can see what's actually going on here. But anyway, yeah, it's kind of a sideline. This first aid business. So Steve talks about the oh my god moment yeah. where which is what you kind of talked about before. It's like oh my god, like this has happened or yeah. like whatever's happened, and you're in this state, right? Yeah. And 
oh my god is not a good place to be really yeah <laughs> um it doesn't feel very good for most people and this can happen either just in general life or when someone's on the table like some something will come up for them yeah. and it's like oh my god and they start exhibiting these behaviors of fight flight freeze they start getting cold and clammy or really hot um and you experience this if something happened to you and you know your day-to-day life as well like a car accident yeah your heart's bumping pumping really fast your eyes are darting around like there's all these signs of like people getting activated yep. we call it activation in cranial sacral therapy so what steve taught us is that it's really scary when people get activated and yep. your arousal system is detected by the threat detection circuits, like that mm. big alarm system I said that's called the body. Yeah. And then what happens is that there's three things that happen, and this is innate in humans as well. Yeah. So you orientate, and I think we talked about this the other day at the gym. Mm. So you will notice people who are in a state of panic or activation looking around because they're trying to connect with other people to see if they're okay. Because if mm. other people are okay, then they feel better about what's going on for them. Yeah. But if other people aren't okay, then that's really bad. So, so, so it's like, like an empathetic connection. They're looking it is. for a connect, social connection or, yeah, okay, I get you. Someone to relate to. Someone to relate to. So they start to orientate. Yeah. Then they start to move. So mobilization. Yeah. Right? And they'll run or they'll do whatever because that's what you do if, if yeah. you're going into flight mode. Yeah. Right? Or fight. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to move. Or they'll immobilize, which is the freeze state. Yeah. So they orientate, social engagement basically, mobilize, yep. mobilize or immobilize. And immobilize is basically like, you know, when you see those videos when the mouse just plays dead. Yeah. Or when I was in Africa a few years ago. The fainting we saw yeah, well, there was a gazelle or some creature that just decided to pretend to be dead, but it wasn't. It ran away oh, in the wow. end, which was great. But, like, you know, that's what it, they do. That's survival at its, yep. at its core. Yeah. So we've got these things going on. And so the best thing to do is to create safety via getting that person to ground themselves oh, wow. and to make them feel safe. So if you see someone, like, having one of these things – don't leave them in yeah. the oh my god bit. Yeah. Like go over there and be like, hey, you okay, know, so look look at me. Look at yeah. me is a really good one. Look yeah. at me. Yeah. Do the connection. So that's that social social connection. Yeah. Take slow, small steps. Like grab their hand. Like yeah. just say, hey, we're just gonna walk a little bit. Yeah. And be creative. Like be creative about it, but don't, you know, yeah. kind of so, do everything all at so once. That's how like, we, don't overwhelm them. Yeah. yeah. So that's how we can apply emotional first aid to, to, to ourselves. Yep. But also, yeah, you can do that to yourself as well. Right. It's like you're like, okay, I'm feeling this. Ground yourself. Yeah. Embody your body. Like feel what's going on. Yeah. And just remember, movement just takes little steps. Yeah. And then stop. If it's too much, yep. stop. And then you can start again when you're feeling like you're, you know, just little yeah. tiny things at a That's time. Really good. And I think, yeah, just little things. And yeah, um, what I was going to say is, is tense your body up, like yeah. tense and release. Like that's a really good one as well. Like tense if you're feeling a little bit like okay. tense and release. Yeah. So you're nice. like, cause you're already okay. tense and then yep. you just release and then tense yourself back up again and release mm. so that you're. Your body gets into that pattern of like it knows it can release. Oh, that's good. You've done it. <laughs> that's yeah. really good. Um, yeah. So something you've mentioned there, um, you know, uh, perceived danger is, is key. Mm. It just reminds me a lot of Dave Butler's work and that uh, he's a um, he's written a book called Explain Pain. It's really, really fascinating. But he talks about turning dims into sims, so turning dangers yeah. in me into safeties in me. Yeah. So 
um, I guess that could be something to, to add to that or back up what you've just said. It's really fascinating. The other thing I just wanted to add there as well is we did this in multiple brain integration technique and I've started using it um, at the start of sessions with clients. Yep. Is that coherent breathing? Ah, yes. I was hoping you'd say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's such a great um, so, tool, isn't it? Yeah. And so that obviously impacts your heart rate variability, yeah. which you want to be pretty even. Like you don't want it to be going yeah. up and down and all over the place. Yeah. Um, you want it to be kind of consistent. But what was really what's really interesting there, and I think you and I have talked about this before, is the 7 So coherent breathing is even breaths in and out. Yeah. But if you're in a you know, a stressed state or yeah. activated state, out breaths are better than in breaths. Yeah, so, so in slowing, breaths, slowing, yeah, that out slowing down. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Now that's so, so that I've, would be what I'd say as well, is if you're yeah. in an activated state, breathe out. Oh, that's so good. It's such a useful tool. Um, so breathe out, do slowly. the things like, yep. yeah, slowly, create so that grounding, feel beautiful. your feet. Your feet are amazing. Great. They're great things. They remind you where you are and like you're not, you know, yeah, it's good. <laughs> so I've got another question just to, to look um, again at that emotional first aid. So that was really, really good. So that's for, you know, things that have happened immediately. What happens if someone's had a, a huge emotional trauma um, in the past? Um, mm-hmm. It might be multiple traumas in the past. How do they go about undoing, you know, some of this, uh, this emotional trauma? Um, I guess there's quite often some physical trauma tied into that as well. But if that hasn't yeah. been dealt with, um, obviously it's going to manifest its way in, in some way, whether it's physically, whether it's in the actions or you know behaviours. How does someone begin to, to start addressing these issues? Well, I think, first of all, it's a recognition of what's actually going on. So a yeah. lot of people don't even realise that the way that they're doing things or the, the way that their feelings actually not quite right yeah, <laughs> and yeah. so it'll be because generally people make changes because something's changed in their mind yeah. so they'll either get really sick or um and then suddenly they're like oh there's all these other feelings that have been coming up or whatever or other people maybe someone close to them is like hey dude like you're not kind of yourself like yep. what's going on there and it's when you start recognizing that some of the things that you're doing mm. or the things that you're feeling you've got to have that recognition otherwise yeah. you know and some people never do and yeah. that's really sad like, yeah. to me, that's really sad. Um, and some people think they're completely fine and everything's great. Yeah. Um, and because so that's their norm, you know. Like that's that, their norm, that's yeah. That's their norm, yeah. And they don't know that there's a different norm that they could have. Mm. And so I guess with, with those people, first of all, I'd say it doesn't always, they don't always manifest. This is yeah. the thing. It's like yeah. some people actually, they've had all these traumas and they're great. They don't yeah. have any problems. Yeah. And so i just like to put that out there as a concept that there are those people. <laughs> and that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, but great i'm um, so you know that's fantastic and somehow their bodies and things have adjusted to and it's fine yeah. um but other people it is like really really hard yakka really mm, yeah. <laughs> for them and yep. it's about recognizing that there's actually, actually something's happening like i think most people would be like oh yeah i know i'm having a panic attack or i know yeah. that i'm feeling like i can't breathe right now yeah but it's the connection with that like noticing what's happening and then mm. i might have to do something about it so it's yep. about the recognition of both of those yeah. things recognition and also like feeling uh as if you can actually invest in your own mental wellness as well as physical i think uh, yeah people recognizing that that is equally if not more so important you know and your, that's, that's what's health. really interesting is like i said before i get clients that come in with a physical symptom because they feel like they can come for a physical symptom yeah um and then it turns out it's not really a physical symptom well it is a physical symptom but it's not really about that at all it's actually something else yeah and 
often that's that's the other way that people deal with it is that it will be a physical thing and then they'll realize over time maybe that it's not yeah and so then they'll start doing some work around that and i think that's really awesome if the physical can be the gateway yeah. then that's cool but i would also like you i think would like to see more people taking yeah I, char- I, I, charge of the mental side of things and being like actually maybe something isn't quite right yeah <laughs> or whatever i want to make some changes yeah well, mm. I, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll be vulnerable here. I've, I have had uh, experiences with psychologists, with, um, you know, um, mm. psychotherapists. Same. Um, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. Um, a spiritual coach, you know, like just more more at, uh, as like an insurance policy uh, mm-hmm. or an opportunity to learn. And it's not like I had massive issues to deal with, but I feel like it's always, uh, I've always got something out of it. Um and working alongside, you know, Annie on Best Me, yeah, um, it's just been such a fascinating process, and it's really made me aware of of that connection and how um, you know your emotion can affect you physically, and uh, uh, past previous experiences literally, you know, create your map of the world, and you know, yeah. he, he can navigate life a little bit easier <laughs> and make it and a little bit more it, fun for yourself. <laughs> and a lot of people are scared, like they think, oh, something's got to be really wrong yeah. with me before I go see a counselor or yeah. go see a cranial sacral therapist or go see a psychologist. Like I need to be actually yeah. like diagnosed with something on the DSM. Yeah, you know, the DSM five, I think it is now, isn't it, yeah. or something? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to um, say, yeah, no. It doesn't have to be that at all, does it? It doesn't have to be that. No, No. it's like you could actually just go and chat to someone and you can come and see me, like, you know, if you want to chat to someone about, like, kind of what's going on for you. And the other good thing as well is that I think most people who are in these kind of alternative therapies or even counsellors and psychologists and things, they've got their scope of practice. Yep. Like, they're not going to – I'm not going to – if something for me, if someone comes in the door and I really feel like it's actually too much for me, like, I will say – Hey, like it's Knowing awesome when to refer that you out. came. Yep. Yeah. And like, but I also know some more experienced cranial psychotherapists and actually I think you'd be better going yep. to one of those. Or actually I know this counselor and I actually think that's probably best yep. dealt with. I can work with your body yep. and we can work with what, all those physical sensations, totally. but you've got some mental stuff going on too. Like not me, I'm not calling them mental, but <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yep, <laughs> you've got mind. some brain things yep. going on yep. and like you need to go and talk to someone who deals with that. And I think that's, I think when you start working in a community, which is, you know, what Best Me community, for, you know, you, that you've created, yeah. is that you have these people yep. and you know when, you know, people yep. know when it's time to put them yes, on someone else. totally. So. Understanding your scope of practice, I think, exactly. is, this is so yeah. important. And far out, I mean, I understand some elements of mind, some elements of nutrition now, but that's not my yeah. area. You know, there's people out there that are better in that at that than me. But it's also important, I think you've got this too, to understand the importance of those other elements, you know, not being, not being too zoomed in, I think is no, really, exactly. really important. Yeah. Um, I've got a question, a personal one. So children, you know, being a proud father of two beautiful little girls that you know very well. I do. <laughs> what can we do uh, to look after our children? What can we teach or encourage um, to keep them emotionally, you know, strong and uh to give them the tools to deal with these, um, you know, these traumas or emotional uh, issues. Feel their bodies. So if like, I don't know, you know, you, your gorgeous six-year-old, um, <laughs> Miss Brooke, I yeah. love her. Yeah, so, amazing. you know, like when Brookie, I don't know, she, you know, someone says something nasty to her at school or something. Yeah. Like I'd be like, hey, Brookie, you know, what's going on? And she'd be like, oh, I don't know, Jane from down the road said I was ugly or something I don't know yeah yeah and you're like okay so you know and she's like what what how do you feel about that and she's like oh I'm really sad yeah. I'd be like so what does sad feel like to you Brooke yeah what does that feel like in your body 
So that's teaching emotional intelligence really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so they can actually explain. Like I remember going to a counsellor once and she was like, well, what's going on for you? And I was like, oh, I'm really, you know, I just feel really sad. Mm. She's like, well, what is, what is sad? And I'm like, panic, don't yeah. know, can't yeah. explain. And yeah. like I feel like we should be teaching people or teaching children to mm. explain like how they're feeling so it's not like a really big deal because yeah. it, it Explaining how you feel really can be quite anxiety producing. Yeah, and, and not, shutting, that, not, not shutting and off them from emotions. Not shutting yeah. the um, exactly. And what is what is the feeling there? And you'll be yeah. like, okay, that's really awesome, bro, because you've said whatever it was that she is feeling, and so she's able to describe that and able to kind of talk about. And then you can be like, okay, so what if we move around a bit? Does it make you feel any better? Like you know, and, mm. and techniques and things around that kind of stuff. And it's easy stuff for kids. Like they like moving. Yeah. They like you know. Yeah. They like changing states. Like yeah. you, you've seen. I mean, oh, look yeah. at your. <laughs> oh my god! Look, yeah, at your, look at your other daughter. Like she's you know eight months old, <laughs> and she's constantly on the move. Like I'm yeah. amazed. You know. Yeah. 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 That's so, fascinating. So giving them giving them that, that space, to a baby, but you yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> giving them that space to actually understand their emotions and describe them yeah. and be with them and not and shut feel off them. them. Yeah, yeah. And so then it's kind of like and then cha- and then helping them change the feeling yeah. so yeah. that they can and, and that they don't get overwhelmed by it. Yeah, and maybe addressing some of those dangers. You know, the perceived dangers. Do you think that could yeah. be a useful thing? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, yeah. well, it's like uh, you know. Okay, uh, so you took me to the playground the other day. Yeah, it's gonna sound really weird. You know, people are like, why are you taking a thirty-four-year-old woman to the playground? Yeah, why not? To the playground, didn't we? Yep. And you were telling me how Brooke, when she, she's six, she was really scared. Yeah. This is a giant um, sort of spot, a fake spider web, by the way, for people to yeah, climb it's up. It's amazing. Thing. How yeah. tall is it, do you reckon? Um, at least five meters, maybe. Yeah, it's yeah. quite scary. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and Brooke did it, didn't she? She ended yeah. up climbing. She was scared, and you kind of coached her through coached and like through. taught her the basics and of climbing and like, all there. this kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. And so now she's like totally confident. And so yeah. you took me there, mm. and I was terrified. <laughs> Check out the video on uh, Anna's social media, by the way. I was terrified, <laughs> and I seriously was like, if I could describe terrified, I literally thought I was going to die. I had a clenched stomach. My yeah. shoulders were up. Can, you, my yeah. face. You, you said to me, "God, look at your facial expressions." <laughs> like I'm like, like grimacing. Like with, I do not want to do this yeah. anyway. So you taught me how to climb, which I didn't even know that there was ways to climb and and, and that you had to have sort of three points of contact to be safe and all of that kind of stuff, which was really awesome. But once I started doing it, like that anxiety kind of lessened, but it was me going, I'm actually really terrified and and knowing what that was, but also being not overwhelmed by that because I was like, no, I'm just going to breathe. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to follow the instructions. I'm going to do all this stuff. And that really helped me get over that. And I think Mm. it's those things, which you've obviously done with Brooke because she managed to get up there and down much quicker than I was. I'm sure I got stuck, didn't I? That that is such a good point. And I think... you know, the metaphoric version of that as well as overcoming obstacles in life, you know. Yeah. And quite a lot of the time, the, you know, perceived uh, stresses other than the actual stress itself. So having that mm. per- that guide by your side to get you through those physical or uh, mental barriers, I think, is key. Yeah. So that's really good. Mm. Now, Anna, um, I've got a couple more uh, questions for you. Uh, yeah. I'm going to look at, you know, in terms of practical application, um, for the listeners here, what one to three things should people stop right now, stop doing? It's a big question. Uh, it is, and I wrote this down and I left my notes, didn't I? So. <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> on the spot. That's okay. So, Off the top of your head, yeah. 
stop ignoring your body. It's trying to tell you something. This is it's all about the body for me. I'm like, what's going on in there? Like, mm. learn about the body. Yeah. So basically, stop ignoring it. It's it's this like I said, a huge alarm system. It's yeah. telling you things. Yeah. We're mostly caught up in our head. Like we're always thinking about like what might happen next or yeah. what happened. Most people spend um actually, I think it's is it ninety percent of people spend most of their time in the past. Yeah. Thinking about things that have already happened, yeah, and or projecting then, and into the, the future, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or projecting into the future. The rest of people yeah. are thinking about the future, and we need to be in the now. Like yeah. right now is so important because Fantastic. what's actually good, just stop ignoring what's happening right now in your body. Yeah, that's what I would say. Because I like if that. you, if you, yeah, if you in the body in the now then you're going to have much better responses to things. Beautiful. Now, this, uh, this is going to sound really similar. So what yes. one, one to three things should we do right now? <laughs> so find, find whatever works for you in terms of learning about what's happening in your body. Yeah. Find like do, whatever works for you. If you want to read books on it, read books on it. You want to come see me as a cranial psychotherapist, come yeah. see me. Yeah. You want to go and do exercise, you go see you. Like, you know, mm. find what it is that works for you in terms of you want to meditate, do it. Yeah. You know, focus on the body. Like yeah. work out for you, like how you're going to recognize what's going on for you. That's really good. It could be a combo of all of the things. Yeah. I do more than one thing, you know, like because it doesn't always, you know, sometimes you do get a bit overwhelmed and it's like, well, yeah, there's other yeah. techniques. Yeah. So learn, learn from as many people as you can like how to get into that body recognition of what's happening yeah no that's that's yeah. amazing um a couple of audience questions so first oh, of all okay i didn't know <laughs> yeah yep. so first of all um this is from someone who didn't want to be recognized but <laughs> um nutrition where does that fit into the you know the big picture for you in terms of um you know emotional uh, physical state that's yeah, a huge one so again, this is really interesting. So again, you and I have talked about this. Mm. So I'm not very strict with my diet. Um, yep. I eat kind of what I want uh, when I want to. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it doesn't work so well for me, and I have to remind myself to really think about how the food makes me feel. Yep. And when I say makes me feel, both like oh I shouldn't have eaten that because. Well, should's a bad word. I don't use that word very much. Yeah, yeah. So I probably could have made a better choice because actually I feel based on um, what? yeah yeah based on how I'm feeling physically. Mm. I actually don't feel very good about myself right yeah. now because I made a I made a choice that I didn't think. Yeah, that's you know, that, that's was, such was a good point. Good. Such a good point. Yeah, but also the other thing is is to really pay attention physically to how it makes you feel yes. because then then you'll notice like you know what what things maybe don't agree with you. And that's yep. about being the expert in you. Like you have to try things to know mm. what what the effect's going to be. Yeah. But you also need to give things a chance. Like, you know, I'm going to put you in the spot here, but you know that dairy is not very, you don't, yeah. you don't react very well to dairy and it actually yeah. makes you feel quite ill. Yeah, um, totally. And so you try to avoid that because you work that out over yep. time. Mm. And so for me, I know, for example, I can only have one to two coffees in the morning. Yeah. Because if I have any more than that, I start feeling physically nauseous, yeah. and I get the shakes. Yeah, so it's anxiety, like, well, why yeah. would I? Why would I do that to myself? Totally. And so I think it's about being kind, I, like, knowing oh, knowing what nice. you what works. Yeah. Be kind to your tummy. Be kind to your body. Yeah. Because it's telling you what's actually going on. Hundred percent agree, and I can relate to that mm. entirely. That's that's the main reason, or the the actual reason why I have to. Yeah, I I want to eat. Well, healthy, mm. you know, it's because it makes me feel good mentally. I'm I'm clear. I can be creative. Mm. I don't get that that foggy brain uh, exactly. physically. You know, I I can move better. I can do the things yeah. I love doing. Uh, and so I one of the better. things, 
you know, that I've, I haven't even mentioned this, but I own an online health shop. Mm. And part of that was originally because I was like, no, I want to have access to more healthy foods. I want to be able to do that. But I also want other people who don't live in metropolitan areas yeah. to have access to that because we ship all over New Zealand. So if yep. you live in a town in New Zealand, we call it the Wop Wops, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you live like hundreds of kilometres away, but we can still get you your, some healthy choices, you yeah. know? And just, and I think that's the thing. And we've talked about this before as well, is that if you're choosing healthy most of the time, yeah. then that's pretty good as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Sort of acting so, in line with your values and what your yeah, vision is of yourself, exactly. isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And there's going to be occasions like, you know, um, it's Wellington on a plate coming up. I am mm. so eating burgers and I'm going to have some beers. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I enjoy that, but I also know that after Wellington on a plate's over, yeah. I'm probably going to try and like rein that in a bit because yeah. it doesn't make me feel overall very healthy. No, no, I think having that context is key um, and understanding, you know, social life is really important. You know, if it's really yeah. limiting your, your social ability. Uh, if anyone uh, is interested, there's a, an interesting guest blog by Dr. Brett Hill. Oh, it's, it's called, awesome. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, you read it. It's great. So yeah. it's, it's why I don't cheat is what it's mm-hmm. called, but it, 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 it's exploring this topic exactly. And I just think mm. he really hits the nail on the head there. And now, I think that, but that's the thing, if it starts interfering with your relationships yeah. and it also starts interfering with the way that you view yourself and yeah. you start being really negative towards yourself, yeah. then something's not right there and you need to make some changes. So. Mm. So we've got a couple more, but we might touch on this uh, online on social media just because we're coming up on time. But I do have the big question for you, (laughs) and that is, if you could pass on one piece of information, an idea, um, or even a question to every single human being on this planet, what would that Mm -hmm. be? Well, there's kind of three things. (laughs) Go over it. So the first one is learn to ground yourself in whatever way and learn to feel what's going on in your body. But we've touched on that, so I don't need to speak a long time on that. Mm -hmm. The second thing is, which I mentioned at the start of this conversation, is that we all have all these experiences. And some of them are not good experiences. Like my university, like doing my law degree was not a good experience for me. I really didn't enjoy it. Um, And there's other parts of my life and my personal life that haven't been very enjoyable. And you lose friends and like, you know, things over, over time. Yeah. And all these experiences, you might think to yourself, when they're happening, why is this happening to me? Yeah. What possible use is this to me? I am telling you that nothing is wasted. I'm only 34. Yeah. So, and you're the same age. Yeah. So we've got another, hopefully, six. Hopefully, years I'm only a third of the way through my life. <laughs> exactly. Like you know, and there's going to be so many things. And one day, it'll become very clear to us why X happened, why yeah. Y happened. Yeah. I've already had moments like that. I'm like, oh, that's why that happened. Yeah. Because I've learned whatever lesson it was that yeah. needed to come from that. And I try I try really hard to see the lesson and the things that happen. Yeah. And sometimes that's really hard. And I'm not saying this is like super easy and like, yeah. I'm all like, yeah, I've got all these lessons and I'm so mm. amazing because I know what I'm doing with them all. Yeah. Um, it's not like that. But I'm saying that, that nothing is wasted. No. And take everything and and go with it. I mean, and even I if it teaches you resilience, right? Exactly. Well, a lot of these things, that's exactly what it's about. Yeah. And the thing is, as you know, next time, based on whatever it was that happened the first time, 
that maybe you shouldn't do it like that or you could do it a different way. Yeah, yeah. I use the word shouldn't again. I hate that word. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You can be uh, – yeah. you're flawed too, um, Anna. <laughs> I am, but as you said, I am flawed. Like, yeah. we, you know, we and it's, it's about retraining the – Training, training the brain, yeah, which is but what you're I'm aware to do of it, which is great. <laughs> exactly, um, and then I've totally forgotten the third thing now. That's, so okay. that's okay. Those are two pretty yeah. good points. So yeah, <laughs> I think if everyone practiced that, you know, the world would be a better place for sure. Well, hopefully. <laughs> now, um, what are you working on, and where can people find you? Yeah, so currently I am obviously doing my cranial sacral clinic um, and my coaching clinic, and they are out of the OM clinic. So it's dub 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 dot the om om clinic dot co dot nz uh, and I work there on Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays doing yep. cranial sacral and coaching. Yep. Uh, so you can make an appointment there with the coaching stuff. I also do it through my uh, kind of parent company, I guess it's my company, which is Raw Fierce. Yep. And that's rawfierce.com. So raw like a lion, R O A R, <laughs> and then fierce yeah. like a warrior. Um, dot com. And I can do coaching anywhere. Like I can do it on Skype. I can come and see yeah. you. Like whatever, whatever suits you. Um, and obviously, I've got my online shop, which keeps me really busy. We've had a really busy month, which is mm. awesome. Um, I think people are sort of, you know, it's winter. It's been winter. It's been quite cold. People are looking for alternative solutions to um, taking medication. So they're trying things like bone broth, which I know you love, oh, and I have yeah. most days, um, you know, trying to do a gut healing thing. So we've, it's been great. So that's um, richnutrients.co.nz. Yeah, which is one of the sponsors of the show. It is, yeah. And then the last thing, well, it's not really the last thing I'm kind of doing. It's not the last thing I'll ever do, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> I'm obviously studying that precision nutrition that you mentioned. And the reason that I'm doing that is because a lot of the things that I do, um, people talk about what they eat and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. And I just want to be able to help them try and make better choices if they feel like they're not making the right choices. Yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah. and just go from, just help people with general kind of coaching stuff, whether that be lifestyle things, yeah. life in general, career changes, yeah. you know, whatever they want. And also that whole nutrition side of things. And yeah. that's not the last thing I'm going to study. I've got already got a big list of things that I'm thinking of doing. So yeah. I, I see everything that I do as tools in the kete, which is a totally. bag if you're not from New Zealand. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tools in the bag, um, <laughs> the kete, and we carry that around and pull them out when we need them. And there'll yeah. be millions more, I'm sure, by the time I'm finished in Definitely. life. Yeah. I just want to add to that, guys. Um, Anna is actually a really good writer as well, and she's got a great little blog going. So um, I've got a, a few of my clients actually that regularly tune into her blogs, and they really connect with it. I think in particular, Anna, you're... Um, I think that, I, I don't know what, what other way to say this, but you keep it real. You know, you're very vulnerable. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you show your vulnerabilities. That's why, you, that's why we all go get along so well. So, yeah, you know, your partner exactly. and I, she's very much like that too. Yes, so that's definitely. why we, we love I, each other. I appreciate other. that. And, and thank you so much for what you do. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. There was a, there's so much gold. Um, well, thank you. And I just want to say thank you because you've really pushed my boundaries. <laughs> I think we both do. This is great. Yeah, it's awesome. And <laughs> I, you know, the, the other day at the gym, you forced me to juggle. <laughs> I do and weird I things like, with my clients. I ain't doing this. Like I was like really resistant to this. Yeah. And again, it was like the terror. I was like, oh my God. And I said to you, this is like tigers coming at me, but it's so silly. <laughs> it's a freaking juggling ball. Two and sessions later. Two sessions later, I can juggle. That's so, amazing. you know, it's like you push you push me, but it's really gentle. Yeah. And I'd like to think that I do that 
with with clients as well i really push them to connect with their bodies and connect yeah. with what's going on yeah. but i like to do it in a really safe way so that people feel like they can actually achieve something beautiful thanks again yeah. anna thank you and thank you everyone for tuning in um please go along to bestme.co.nz um you'll find the links uh to the podcast you'll also find the blogs that i've referenced today um you'll find the link to, to anna's sites there as well also have a look at uh, thewellnesscouch.com um, and if you're on iTunes, please subscribe to um, The Best Me Radio. Really appreciate um, all the ratings that have been coming through. So if you've got the time and you do enjoy this, it really means a lot to me if you can go along and give me a five-star rating on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. Look forward to seeing you again next time. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.